1: That's how it works. Uh, we have uh, we have to jump this gentleman to the front of the line. It's Tommy Curran, hi, of NBC Sports Boston. Uh, he is brought to you by Wise Snacks. No one does crunchy, salty, or cheesy better than Wise Snacks. How we doing, Tommy Curran? Hi,
0: hi. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I do. I do have a soft spot there for Jan, uh, but I also have a soft spot for Tommy Curran. What What are the Patriots going to burn their cash on this off Tom? I'm guessing offense, and one would hope that the burning would exist on the offensive
3: line. And I wonder if Gerard Mayo is going to come to regret that offhand three-word phrase as much as the Red Sox regret "full throttle." It's just it was a little too glib, I think. I think the bigger part of that quote to the Greg Hill show was one thousand percent we're going to bring in talent, and I think that that is an announcement that you know maybe the Chris Boards of the world might not be the imports that are viewed as, hey, look what we got, a new special teamer. So to me, I think that the recognition of we need to upgrade everything, especially on offense, and that requires spending money, is the big takeaway from that.
0: Tommy, regardless of whether the Patriots get a quarterback high in the draft, lower in the draft, somewhere in the draft, do you think that they will... Try or do you think that they should try to go out and get a veteran to be in that room either as a bridge starter or even just as someone to help along a rookie quarterback?
3: Yeah, absolutely, especially with the uncertainty right now as to who's going to be the offensive coordinator and who's going to be the quarterback's coach. If you are going to go with a fledgling offensive coordinator who's never done the job, then you need somebody to maybe help in that quarterback's room. Because maybe the quarterback's coach is new as well. There's just so much unanswered. And right now, there's a lot of fledgling people. Like, for instance, Nick Cayley, He's a tight ends coach. He might have offensive coordinator visions. He might have aspirations. And the Patriots have had him in to interview. But he's never coached quarterbacks. And that seems to be an important aspect of the job in quarterback development, especially if you're going to take a top three pick and use it on a quarterback. So I think a veteran quarterback makes sense. And I, I keep circling back to the presence of Mac Jones. I spoke to Mark Dominic, who's a former GM today. He's on the podcast and former ESPN analyst. And he's not acquainted with the climate here toward Mac Jones. But on the face of it, he's exactly right. When you say, why would you move on from Mac Jones oh, when no. he's under contract?
1: Who's that? That was me. Oh, was no, this is, I, this is where I thought this was going. This is what he said. He said, why but would you he, want to move on? No, not move on and leave him as
3: a friggin' starter, but move on. If you have a bridge quarterback in-house who could go out and play the position, What? then why would you move on from him if he's under contract? It's because of your evidence for the prosecution here. You're the reason because the climate is so toxic for him he can't stay even though there is viability to keeping him until the end of his contract Mm -hmm. because you can't trade him you can't trade him he doesn't make a lot of money he knows how to play the position didn't play it so good one year played it really good
1: two years ago but just move on because everyone says no no so should we be reading into this then, Tom, the fact that they haven't uh, agreed to anybody with an offensive coordinator position yet, that this is not an attractive job for that for that particular – especially in the case of, uh, you know, like Kaylee, who's got other interviews in other places. Would you say the Patriots' job is one of the less attractive ones for an offensive coordinator? I
3: cannot imagine that other teams are beating down the door to bring in Nick Kaylee and announce him as their offensive coordinator. If Nick Kaylee or Zach Robinson were offered the job here – with the blank canvas that is this offense and the amount of money they have to spend and the third overall pick. I don't think that there's a lack of attractiveness for a young offensive coordinator. Now maybe you might look at it askance if you're looking at the entire situation and saying, who's in charge over there? If you have that luxury because you're an experienced offensive coordinator, say Dan Pitcher, for instance, going from quarterback to coach to offensive coordinator in Cincinnati, who wouldn't want to work with Joe Burrow? and a coach Zach Taylor who's coached in the Super Bowl in a place that you're familiar with. But I think overall, if you are making a you know, an upward move to offensive coordinator, then I think the Patriots would be an attractive spot, although there is uncertainty. If you're making a lateral move or you think that you're coveted elsewhere, then you can start comparing apples to apples. I just don't think right now that you to use Nick Cayley as an example. I just don't think that teams are ready to unveil him and say, this is our new offensive coordinator over Kellen Clemens, for instance.
1: Uh, Adam Schefter today said, and and it sounded like he was kind of speaking off the cuff. He didn't deliver this as a report, Uh, but he said Bill is not the favorite in Atlanta. And he cited, uh, well, Bill doing a second interview, leaving, having other candidates come in. So again, just to, to, I think, represent it properly, I think he was more speaking off the cuff than delivering it as a report. What, What are you hearing with Bill in Atlanta, and is it as simple as Belichick wants the power and Arthur Blank is balking it, giving it to him?
3: I don't know if Arthur Blank might be the one balking as much as it might be the folks around
1: Arthur Blank. So Rich McKay, Terry Fontenot, those names.
3: Yeah, anybody who wants to look at the record of the Patriots over the past five seasons and even going further back in the draft and say, look, Arthur, I know you're enamored with Bill. And whether there were conversations prior to his press conference here in New England or not, where he stood up and they had a mutual parting of the ways and it was cozy, you know, did did Bill feel as if that was a done deal with Arthur Blank and, and the Atlanta Falcons? And then after interviewing, maybe the folks who advise Arthur Blank said, "You you really everybody everything's going to change here, Arthur." He's going to change everything. And if you want to have it change, he isn't the layup that you think he is. Look at this, this, and this. So, and under what auspices is Bill going in there? Is he running everything, changing the culture, um, and making $25 million or not? So, I, I would, and we talked about this during the season, I didn't think the market for Bill was going to be exceptional because of all the things that he brought with him in terms of demands and his recent track record.
0: Uh, Going back to the Patriots really quick, Tom, do you think that it matters very much with this offense whether you bring in a fresh face in terms of an offensive coordinator who hasn't had the title before or someone like Josh McDaniels if he doesn't go with Bill to Atlanta because that falls through on Bill's end, is there an advantage to having Josh McDaniels over, say, a Nick Cayley or Zach Robinson?
3: Yes. On its face, there would be an advantage to having somebody who has, speaking generally, on the face of it, if you hire somebody who has head coaching experience, who knows where the potholes are, the obstacles the scheduling, the practices, the travel, you know, all of those things that enter into being a head coach that Gerard is not accustomed to dealing with, yes. So that, in general, Mega would would make sense. But is this individual, say it was Josh, he's been a two-time head coach. Would his advice on potholes or pratfalls be heated by Gerard, or would Gerard say, you know what, I kind of want to do it this way. This is the way I want to do it. And then would that cause hard feelings one way or the other? Or if Gerard was wrong, would there be a temptation to say, eh, I kind of should have done it my way? Or would Gerard then say, would it, there is such complexity, I think to bringing Josh McDaniels back that it has to be really scrutinized by both sides. And there has to be an extreme comfort level with what the roles are and what the pecking order is. So to me, that is something that, on the face of it, you have a guy who's coached in however many Super Bowls. He has head coaching experience. He understands so much that he could offer. But what's the climate between the two individuals, and what's the direction of the franchise post-bill? Is it you know, just a little fork in the road? Is it a full spin away from what they've always been doing? All
1: that stuff has to be established. Tom, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about a report. I think last week in The Athletic, Brock Purdy told uh, Matt Barrows at The Athletic that the Niners wanted to bring in Brady last year, um, and they they were considering bringing in Brady. They tried to bring in Brady. Uh, what's your understanding as to how far that got? And obviously Brady doesn't sound like he had much appetite for it, but how, how far down the road did that get?
3: I don't think it got very far down the road in terms of just what I know about Brady's disposition toward continuing to play. I think he really wants to launch himself into the media and into that job. I think he's going to be good at it, but that's a side con- side conversation. Um, and I think that that was off the table. Now, I do know that when the Minnesota Vikings suffered an injury at the quarterback position this year, there was a you know very informal reach out as to whether or not he'd be interested. Hmm. Um, and he wasn't you? really, up, and he wasn't even really up on who their personnel was and whether they were a good team or not. But he at least asked that question. So he asked them. I, I don't think he, he said, "Well, who's even on the team?" No, I don't think he even asked them. Didn't even get to to a conversation directly with them.
1: So, um, Tom, just real quick before you leave, uh, the blank canvas that you talked about here with this team is one that I think is. Probably the most intriguing part of this entire off season now for the Patriots, and we're still not really sure what the front office structure is. Is there any update on that? Do you have any sort of rumblings going on about how that's gonna be handled or if Belichick getting hired away is gonna change up who the personnel people are gonna be? Is is there any update there? Yeah, that's a great question as to specifically Mac Rowe. If
3: Bill gets hired, does Mac Rowe go to Atlanta? Or does Terry Fontenot stay there and Mac Rowe stays through the draft? Or does Elliot Wolf have enough intel to run it by himself? Every indication I got, Christian, was that through the draft, they'll probably stay put with the people that they have, barring a hiring of Bill that brings individuals with them. So to me, you're looking at a power structure with Gerard as the final say person at this juncture, just based on what he said with you guys, and also Elliot Wolf was the first name he mentioned, and macro Rowe as well, are also involved in it. So it's... The power structure and personnel is Elliot Wolf and Row right now.
1: Okay, interesting. We'll leave it there. He's Tommy Curran, NBC Sports Boston. Check out his work, Quick Slants, Patriots Talk podcast, of course, his appearances here throughout the week on Weei, both with Jones and Mega, with Arkan, and also with Gresham Fourier. Tom, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next Thursday. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Right. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Tommy Curran, as all our guests joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. So.